I'm going to share with you a message on, on love, and uh, in doing that, I want to kind of go through this little acronym of L-O-V-E, because it's easy to remember, and I need that. The um, rest of you are okay, I guess, but I need the help to, to remember things. Um, let me just say I'm, I'm very thankful to be here today. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't so sure. Um, my, uh, my neck matched my shirt. It was purple. And uh, I, just coming out of surgery, and at this time of the day, I just had a breathing tube taken out. So God is good. Um, and uh, even a week ago, I was still whispering because of that, the trauma of the tube going down my throat. So God has restored me, restored my voice, and uh, to him be the glory. Amen. Um, as we introduce this message today, I have a little short uh, video that's going to help us, I hope, get the idea of the love of Christ that's associated with Christmas and his coming. thought that was a pretty powerful way to uh, begin a message on Advent and love, because after all, it was love that brought him here. The love of God is what kept him here. The love of God is why he lowered himself. Philippians tells us he emptied himself. 
of all the splendors and the glories of heaven to become one of us. What a glorious gift God has given us. So today we're going to look at uh, L-O-V-E, the, the letters that form the word love. In doing that, we're going to look just briefly today at uh, Christmas past, at love is what brought him here, Christmas present, that love keeps him here with us. You know, he's still rejected, isn't he? Yeah. He was rejected when he originally came, and he's still being rejected today. And because we associate with him and identify with him, we too are being rejected, so we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, he told us that would happen. But there is a love that's going to cause a Christmas that is yet to come. There is a second advent that is coming, and love will bring him back at that time. He's not coming back to make people afraid or to judge or to you know, frighten people. A lot of people associate that with what happens at the end. But for those of us who have a relationship with him, he's coming back because he loves us and he wants us to be with him forever. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So as we look through the, the letters of love, the first letter, of course, is L. And as I was preparing this message, the L to me said long-suffering. Have you ever heard that word? Huh? Long-suffering. Um, it's not a popular word. You know, it's not one that we just kind of throw out there on a regular basis, is it? But Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, Even before the world was made, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Before the world was made, he loved us. That's long-lasting love. My God, the scripture says, can see the end from the beginning. He's outside of time. He's an eternal God. All we see is the little linear part that we're given on this earth. And through history, we have a reflection of what has gone on before us. Through scriptures and prophecy, we can see a little glimmer of what's ahead. But God stands outside of it all and says, this is the whole thing. He started the clock, and one day he will say, enough. Time will end. That long-suffering love has been since the beginning, and it will remain until the end. It's a love that is long-suffering in that it is patient, and it endures. It's patient with us. Aren't you glad God's love is patient? <laughs> I've done a few things in my life where God could have lost patience with me. I've lost patience with myself a few times. Anybody been there? Get frustrated with myself because I know better. Kind of like what Paul was saying, you know, sometimes the very things that I know to do, I don't, don't get done, and the things that I don't want to do, I wind up doing. But yet God's love is so patient. It endures. It stays around. This word long-suffering means the ability to bear injury or suffer affliction or reproof without answering in kind. So that everywhere Jesus went when he walked this earth, there were people who rejected him, cursed at him, spat upon him, beat him, tried to kill him, and ultimately they did, not realizing that it was all about love, his love for us. His long-suffering love allowed him to walk 
that whole course of time. I don't know about you, but I, my, my love is not that patient most of the time. If I get a little pressure, I get a little feeling uncomfortable, my love begins to wobble. I know probably I'm by myself in that, but it's, it's tends, it tends to happen to me, you know, that, that things get, begin to, and I begin to say, well, where, you know. But God's love is so long-suffering, enduring with us, that even when we screw up, his love remains. As we sang, his love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. The second part of love is that before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I'm glad that that God who did that was there and he didn't look at my faults, but he saw my need. The old Andre Crouch song. Anybody remember that? Okay. <laughs> that, that God was there for me in the midst of all that craziness, in the midst of all that impatience and immaturity on my part, his love endured. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 says this. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The O for love is obedience. The love of Christ made him a sacrificial, obedient servant. God's love is sacrificial. That's what this is talking about. His son was a sacrifice. Jesus came knowing. God sent his son knowing that he would die for us. And still he came. Still he obeyed, even unto the death of the cross. I'm so glad today that he was obedient. And it calls me to a level of obedience that maybe my flesh is not always comfortable with. Because you see, Jesus said, if you love me, <laughs> if you love me, keep my commandments. So that tells me today that I have a responsibility. I have a duty before my Lord who was obedient as the very Son of God. He willingly was obedient to the Father's will and purpose. The Scripture tells us that you know, even on the cross, he could have called angels with one thought. He could have been delivered, but yet he was obedient and he stayed there. He allowed himself. No one took his life. He laid it down. That obedience was sacrificial in that he was compliant with the commands of the Father so that in the garden he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. That's a tough prayer for us to pray, isn't it? For so many times we have our own will and our own idea of where, what we should do and how we should choose and where we should go. And sometimes, almost as an afterthought, we ask God to bless our plans. But as we face this new year, I would challenge each one of us to be compliant with the commands of God. 
The scriptures are there. The truth of God's word is there. The commands of scripture are there. Not to fence us in. It's not a, a restriction. It's protection. Because God knows what's on the other side of that fence is dangerous and deadly for all of us. And so he says, stay here with me. Stay within these guidelines that I've given you. Stay within these parameters. This fence that I put up, my commandments. Obey them so that it may be well with you. So many times, though, I've had to learn that lesson over and over again in my life. Where I, I try to, you know, kind of lean over the fence and see, well, you know, that looks pretty good. I always have to come back and relearn the lesson. That's the good thing about God. He keeps taking you around through the test until you pass. You never really fail it. He just keeps giving it to you until you finally learn. For some of us, that's a longer process than others. <laughs> For some of us, that's a more painful process than others. I know some of you have experienced relapse, and that's normally a term that is associated with recovery, but let me tell you, <laughs> it happens to every one of us if we're honest with ourselves. There are moments of relapse that we all have. Relapse in our obedience, our compliance, our submission to the authority of God and his word. This obedience that Christ brought to us as the sacrificial lamb of God was yielded to the direction of the Father. Not dictated by culture. Otherwise, he would have never visited the Samaritan woman at the well. He went where it was not proper to go. He went against culture, where everybody else said, why are you going there? We go around on the other side of the Jordan to avoid even getting Samaritan dirt on our feet. And you're going to go right through, and you're going to, talk, you're going to ask them for water? What are you doing? Sometimes God calls us to an uncomfortable place. Sometimes God calls us to be counterculture. God calls us into a place where we have to be his representative and not who we want to be. And so we sacrifice in obedience. The love of Christ that was displayed on the cross came at a great cost. It was a sacrificial obedience. The V in love is found in 1 John chapter 4, and down at verse 16 now, instead of 10, where John writes, if you ever want to read a really good little letter, 1 John is a great letter to read. 1 John 4, 16, John says, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. God is love. That means to me that God's love is virtuous. It's who he is. The scripture teaches us that God is a holy God, right? In fact, when we, when we look at heaven, we get peaks of, of these creatures, these angels, and these creatures going around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And yet John tells us right here, God is love. So he's a holy love. He's a virtuous love. And that's what that V stands for. 
God's love is consistently pure. I don't know about you, but sometimes my flesh gets in the way and pollutes my love. And sometimes I want to love when? <laughs> when it suits me. When it's somebody I kind of like anyway. When it's somebody that's kind of agreeable to me. Or I love if, you know, I love if the situation's right, if I'm not too tired, if I've gotten enough sleep. But God's love is consistently pure. Because God is holy love. He's holy love. That means he's morally excellent, respectable and upright and chaste. It's clean and undefiled by ulterior motives. So many times my love is tainted by that human, <laughs> that human issue of conditional love. But I found that the only, the only source of undefiled, unconditional love is the love of Christ in me. If we are going to love an unlovable world, if we're going to love a world that hates us, if we're going to love a society and a culture that is counter to what we are supposed to be living and what the Word of God says, then we can only do that through the love of God. This virtuous love that is undefiled and pure from adulterated motives that we often have. Sometimes, you know, our, our love is so tainted that even subconsciously we do things based on, on what we say is love, but is actually self-interest. May we guard our hearts against that defiled love and come to God with a clean, undefiled love that only comes from him. And as I said, that is him, he's the source. And so we can't generate that on our own and we can't maintain it on our own. The scripture tells us that to every man a measure of faith is given, but not love. Love is a constant stream in the connection with our relationship with our God. He is the only source of love. There is no real reservoir of love that we can just accumulate for ourselves and say, okay, I've got it. Because we are required by the scripture and by his commandments, if we're going to be obedient, <laughs> to give that love away. And so if you're giving the love away and you're sharing the love of God, You've got to have a source that's unending. And I found that the more I yield to that, now I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say I've got this down. But the more I can yield to the love of God flowing in me and through me, the more love he supplies. So that I can begin to see people, not in the judgmental fleshly way, but I can begin to see people as God sees them people that Jesus came for, people that Jesus died for, even the most unloving, disagreeable people who want to curse me, even the most wretched people of society, to see them as Jesus sees them, people who need the love of God. 
Finally, in John chapter 3 and verse 16 that we started out with there on the slide. Familiar verse, but it's a good Christmas verse because it talks about the incarnation. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And don't forget verse 17. For God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That tells me that God's love is expansive. That's the E. God so loved only special people? No. God so loved only select few? No. The scripture says whosoever will can come and discover and find the love of God as his grace draws us to him. That's the love that we need to share, this expansive love, this love that is immeasurable, this love that can't be limited, this love that is vast, this love that covers a large area. There's a one scripture that says love covers a multitude of sin. I'm so thankful for that. I've, I've tested that a few times. <laughs> but the love of God is there. And when I come to him in repentance, he still says, I love you. I love you. The expansive love of God allows us to reach out to people and understand even though I would prefer that some of them maybe not. <laughs> he wants them. He loved them. Jesus loved them. Enough to step aside out of glory and come and be one of us. That's the love that we celebrate today. The long-suffering, obedient, virtuous, expansive love that brought Jesus to us, that keeps him with us, and will bring him back to us again. I'm so thankful today, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, to just be here today. You know, one, one of Diane's uncles one time told me, you know, it's much better to be seen than viewed. Um, and I, I'm kind of there today. When I woke up from the surgery a couple of weeks ago, the surgeon came in who just happened to be a Christian. I guess that was a coincidence, right? Um, he says, God's not finished with you yet. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. That was a little encouragement, you know, to let you know God's still there. And let me tell you this, because of the virtuous nature of God's love, what, the way he loves me is the way he loves everyone in this room today. There is no merit for God's love. He loves us all equally, unequivocally, exhaustively, expansively. Hear the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is love. May we all experience the love of Christ in our hearts today as we experience Advent.